Bible uh, on, on your app or anything like that. You're making notes. We're going to continue in our series that we started last week before Thanksgiving uh, on the stories of Christmas and uh, somebody mentioned how the how the uh, design. If you're at home, you're not seeing it, but the design kind of threw them off because it's all the characters of Christmas <laughs> that we hold to: Santa Claus, Frosty, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Elf is, is in there. Anyway, um, we're not talking about those characters. We're talking about uh, the real characters, the real stories of Christmas, and. Uh, Whenever we designed it, I kind of thought it'd be funny to throw the things up that we often think of, unless we're in church. If we're in church, we we think of Jesus, right? But uh, so many, or so much of Christmas has been made uh, secular, and um, so we're going to be talking about the stories of Christmas, and today it's not so much about a person as it is about a place, and I want to preach under this title, When the Mess Becomes Wonderful, When the Mess Becomes Wonderful. We're going to be talking about Bethlehem, the city, uh, but I think there's some powerful principles in there that can apply to our lives, to our situations uh, in life, and just some powerful principles about God and about Jesus Christ in this story. I want to start out by asking you a question. How would you, how would you describe your own life? How would each of us describe our own life? If you were to boil your life down to one word, what is that one word? What is that one word? A classic Christmas movie takes the title, It's a Wonderful Life. When we think about life, we maybe think about boiling life down to that one word, the words that can come to mind. One word is purpose. They lived their life with purpose. Maybe it's happy. She led a happy life. Maybe the word that we think of is fortunate. You know, he was, was fortunate in his life. Maybe some other words come to mind like sad. Or maybe it was lucky. I've been lucky in my life. Or maybe it's tragic or surrounded by tragedy. I've experienced tragedy. Or maybe the word that we would use would be hard. Life has been hard. Some happenings of life deserve better than what their surroundings are. You think about life, you think about the words that we use to apply to life. Sometimes we, we try and find that singular thing or we have that singular thought about what life represents when really there may be some happenings in life that are better than deserved and then there are some things in life that are not as good as maybe we feel that are deserved. And you think about life, you think about things, and, and that, that is simply the way it is. Some things carry their own weight. They are significant no matter where you put them. They're significant events. I attended a wedding one time when I was young, my parents' living room. 
I attended a wedding in my parents' living room. My dad is a pastor, and I was not aware that I'd be attending a wedding that day. And in total attendance, there were seven people. You had my brother, my parents, the bride and the groom, his mom. Now, I've attended and officiated small weddings before. That, that's not uncommon, such as destination weddings. Shelly and I, early in ministry here, we were able to go and do a destination wedding, and it was the majority of the, the family. This was not one of those. There was no wedding gown. There was no wedding party. There was no music. There was no cake even. There was no celebration. Remember the impression that was put on me in that wedding. Something that should have been a special day for a young bride and groom was seemingly made less significant by the setting. By contrast, you think of royal weddings. They're delivered with pomp and circumstance and all of the uh, things that go on. No detail is left unattended to. Everything is finely tuned and put into its place. The setting has to be exactly right. A little over two years ago, there was the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and the cost was 32 million pounds for that wedding. The case cost 50,000 pounds. The flowers ran somewhere around 110,000 pounds, and catering came in at just under 300,000. The wedding party that wound through the city that day in a parade of fashionable things to the church included mounted cavalry and horse-drawn carriages. The event was something of note. Everyone took note of this wedding. The world paid attention. It was televised on something like 800 channels around the world. For so many things, the settings... A setting seems to matter. And a setting can be said to make a meal. If you think about uh, one of the things that are talked about in reference to nicer restaurants is how they present their food. It's not enough that the food's just put on the plate. It, it has to be presented in a certain way. The setting makes the meal. That was not the way it was Thanksgiving at our house. I just piled it up on the plate. I don't care how it looks. I care how it tastes, and it tasted good. In jewelry, the setting of a gem goes a long way in expanding the value of the jewel. With that in mind, it's interesting that the Bible talks of those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit as putting a treasure in earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. One writer I read one time paraphrased that thought the thought that is presented here is the Holy Spirit inside of me is like placing a diamond in a styrofoam cup. The Holy Spirit inside of you, it's like putting a diamond in a styrofoam cup. There's hardly anything special about the vessel, but what's inside. The principle of location, placement, and setting 
is alluded to in a verse that I'm taking completely out of context for this illustration, but I want you to think about this because it's just interesting. Proverbs 11 and 22 says, A ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Think about that, a ring of gold in a swine's snout. Talk about something that's completely out of context. It's found in an unexpected setting. Well, look at that pig. It's got jewelry in its nose. I'm sorry I was pointing over here. I'm not pointing at anyone. I was just, that pig, I don't, there's nowhere to point. Sorry. One translation simply says, a jewel in a swine snout. Unexpected location for a thing of such value. A jewel of gold placed in a pig's nose. It was an unexpected setting. Bethlehem. It was chosen to bring into the world God's greatest gift to us. The setting is not very special. As a matter of fact, Bethlehem, it's said to be this small, bedraggled village. It was called the least of all of Judah. But while it was the least, in this particular season, there was brought to it a busyness. It was full of people, people who had descended upon this little village because of one reason, taxes, Caesar's taxes. So you imagine all of these stressed people cramped into a very, very small, common, undistinguishable, nothing special about it, insignificant village. We can know what that's like. If you've ever went out Black Friday shopping, maybe you did on Friday, or maybe you just sat on the couch and did the surfing thing. But if you've ever been out, you know what it is. You can imagine the altercations that come with stressed out people in a small area. Maybe you had to go to Walmart to get that television. And everybody else showed up too. Because for one day only, there was going to be a deal on that television. Even though there's thousands of Walmarts everywhere, everyone came to this Walmart. That's the kind of stress that was on the people, crushed into a small area. People who resented being in this obscure village. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a fan of Black Friday. I've done it once or twice, and now I don't do it. I'm happy to pay a little more, not to deal with the stress of having to hang out and wait for a deal. So I can, I can imagine what it was like. Some people were probably forced to be there. They resented being in Bethlehem. And in this little insignificant town of Bethlehem, there's only one inn. And that probably did not make it on any list of best places to stay. No one was writing tour guides and blog posts about places to stay in Bethlehem. There's an inn there that you should check out. Shelly and I went one time, we were traveling in ministry. We went to this small town, kind of remote area, and they put us in the only 
place that was available. And it was an old, I mean old, motor inn. I think there may have been some stuff growing in what used to be a pool. Like a tree. I'm not talking about, I'm, I mean like vegetation growing. And it served not only as a motel, but it also served as some apartments. So you, everyone's developing a picture in their mind right now. But there was no options. There was nowhere else. The pastor who we enjoyed being in service with them and ministering to their church, he apologized profusely. He's like, we just don't have any other options around here. It's okay. We'll survive. We've lived through worse. But I think of that. I think about this inn, obscure inn. No vacancies on this night. And behind that obscure inn, a stable, just an ordinary stable. It smelled like a stable. It smelled like any other stable. If you've ever been in a barn that housed animals, you know what I'm talking about. My grandfather had a barn, and he had a spot in that barn where all of the manure that was to be turned into fertilizer became fertilizer. And it smelled like a barn. Stale straw, the remnants of animals. It was not insulated. Probably served as storage for some things that were discarded from the end that they had no more use for, but they had nowhere to put them. And so they went into the stable. And you have the mustiness of a stable. What a common place. What an insignificant place. And what the least place among the least of places in all of Judea. Nothing to commend it. Not on the must-see list in any tour guide or website. Nothing to suggest any historical significance. It was the setting for the ordinary at best. But Jesus brought Bethlehem out from obscurity. Out from being common, out from being the least. Matthew 2, 1 through 2 gives us the story. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The wise men were looking for the place Surely, the major city of Jerusalem, surely the leaders in this area would be aware and would know what is going on in their own backyard. They would know where to locate Bethlehem. But Bethlehem, being so common, so insignificant, being such the least, it was such an insignificant place that King Herod did not even know it. Because even though they said he's born in Bethlehem, King Herod had to call his chief priests and say, where is this happening? He talked to his scribes. Where is this supposed to happen? In verse 4, they tell him, when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. I've not heard of this Bethlehem. They said, Bethlehem, it's in Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. 
For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. You're not the least. The place on no one's list, the obscure place, the common village, found its way onto God's list. And when everyone else viewed Bethlehem as the least, being the least of Judea, God said, no, out of this place, you're not the least, but instead, a ruler is going to come that will shepherd my people. In God's view, it's not what Bethlehem was. It was what was going to come from Bethlehem. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. This village, this busy season, these overwhelmed people, nothing unique, nothing common, the least, but Jesus arrived and it became something special. It became unique. It became holy. It became something that distinguished it from every other village around it, every other city around it. It was the arrival of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God manifest in the flesh, a Savior for his people. Luke chapter 2, we have an angel appearing to the shepherds. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, then the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go to this insignificant place. Let us go to this common place. Let us go to this place that maybe they never even heard of Bethlehem before. But let us go. Men never have had a reason to go before. But they're saying, we want to see this thing that has come to pass. There's a principle in this, and I want to share that with you today. Jesus takes the common, and he makes it unique. He takes the insignificant, and he makes it significant. He takes the thing that is overlooked and not recognized, and he makes it special. He takes the thing that is unholy, that is a mess, that is dirty, and he all of a sudden takes it and he makes it holy. How? Because his presence is there. That's how. And it's the same for your life and my life. God can take what is a mess, what is messed up, what is common, what is insignificant, what is not special, and he can turn it into something that is unique, significant, special, give it purpose, make it holy, make it right, make it just. Justified, make it all of the things that it needs to be, but only God can do it. You can't find significance in yourself. You can't find anything special just in yourself. Society's been trying to do it forever, but God, it's God that takes sinfulness and he turns it into something that is righteous. He wipes it away and cleans it off and does something of significance in our lives. 
Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. The word wonderful appears 21 times in the Old Testament. In every instance of usage, refers to one of the works of God. What he does is wonderful. And it's not because of his act. It's not just what he does. It is because he is wonderful. And he set aside the little village of Bethlehem. What was common and insignificant became wonderful with his presence. The one who was wonderful came to a place that was nothing. It was, un, it was just common. It was small, insignificant village. And he made it something What he did with common shepherds was wonderful. What he can do with your life is wonderful. You say, my life is hard. He can make it wonderful. You might say, my life has been tragic. But he can take it and make it wonderful. You might say, my life has been sad, it's been stressed, but he can take it and he can make that into wonderful. It may be insignificant, but he can give it significance. He can make it wonderful. Why would Jesus be interested in my life? You might be asking. You might even be saying, my life is pretty common. Or maybe you're on the other side, you're saying, my life is a hot mess. Is it as messy as the stable Jesus was born in? It may be. But just by Jesus entering into the stable, entering into the insignificant, it became something that gained attention. It became something that brought significance. It became something that was wonderful. You don't understand my, my situation. You don't, you don't understand what's going on in my life. Well, how about this? Why don't you name that thing Bethlehem? Because it may be the least in Judah. It may not warrant much attention from people. It may not seem like it's a significant place or a significant thing. It may not seem like there's anything uncommon about it. Your life may be messy. It may be just a messed up another life. And you may not even think it warrants the attention of God. But God does. And with the presence of Jesus, the insignificant the common, the messy, becomes a placeholder for something that is wonderful. Can I be honest with you, Branches Church, wonderful people that I pastor? My life can be a mess. But my hope is not what the mess in my life is. My hope is in the fact that there's something been placed in a styrofoam cup, a wonderful, precious jewel, the 
presence of Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And on the worst day of my life, when all of the, the hot mess is just going on, it just seems like a common problem. I have hope because there's something wonderful. You scratch past all of the surface, you get down to it, there's something there. It's wonderful. It's not in it's not me. It's not anything I do. It's the presence of God. And your life is the same. There is something wonderful. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can have it. If you're at home and you're watching and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, the Lord can fill you today right now watching this. You just ask Him and surrender your spirit to Him and let Him move. It's amazing. God chose Bethlehem the least. He said, you're not the least. I'm going to bring wonderful into the middle of the common, into the, in the middle of the least, into the middle of the insignificant. God chose Bethlehem. God is choosing you if you welcome him and you allow him. He said, but that doesn't make sense. You're right, it doesn't make sense. And you're not the first one to notice that. Paul noticed it and he pointed it out. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen What? the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence God chose Bethlehem to start the place where he would establish his kingdom on earth. Kings before him and all chose Jerusalem. Makes sense. But he would be born in the insignificant, in the very common. He would go to Jerusalem to die. But there would be something born in the mess of Bethlehem. See, God is not interested in what we see as significant. He wants broken. He wants the weak. He wants the messy. He wants the common. Because that's what he chooses to use. And that is where he chooses to bring his glory. So your common life can be his Bethlehem. Your broken situation can be his Bethlehem. Your mess that you find yourself in right now can be his Bethlehem. And wonderful will come into the mess. And the mess becomes wonderful. 
you and I would not even know Bethlehem existed except that Jesus Christ was born there. If you'll stand with me, I'm preaching to someone today. Maybe you're here in the facility, maybe you're at home joining online. You're looking at the situation, the mess of your life, the, the common, insignificant things. You're wondering if God is at all interested, if any of his attention is coming that way. I want to tell you today, God, on his list of things that get his attention, it's your weakness, it's your mess. It's your common situation. It's your insignificant. It's the least of Judah. And if you'll allow him, if you'll allow him, he will work. He will turn it to something wonderful. Praise God. Why don't we entertain the presence of the Lord that's here right now? If you're at home, we want to invite you to take a time of prayer pray with us. Church family, if you're here and you'd like to come to the front and pray, worship the Lord, I'll invite you to come. If you're here and you feel more comfortable staying in your seat, you can stay in your seat. But let's turn this sanctuary into an altar, a place of prayer. There are some people that are facing some things the end of 2020, the end of this year. You're facing some situations in your family. You're facing situations in your life. Maybe you're facing situations at work. You're facing some things and you're looking at the mess and the commonness of it and the insignificance of it. And you're thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to let God in. Let God in. And the mess will become wonderful because you have the presence of the one who is wonderful there in the midst of the mess. Let's pray and seek the presence of the Lord. God, you you see who's here. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that your spirit would move in this place, touch someone at home. God, minister to them. Draw them by your spirit, God. Speak into their life directly to whatever need that they have that they're presenting to you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus.